Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The famous Swiss psychologist Jean Piaget once said that play is the work of childhood. And yet, if you look around today, you might be confused. Isn't learning violin, dancing or another language the work of childhood? Surely that's the way to get children ahead. Paediatrician and author of The Toddler Brain, Dr Laura Jana, says that letting your child play and letting them decide how to play is actually the biggest key in setting your kid up for life. And you can start early. Hi, Laura. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Always a pleasure to join you. Now, isn't learning new things like an instrument or a skill good for children? Well, you know, it is, and I think what we need to sort of start with is is thinking about what we mean when we say learning, because I think part of the challenge we have is that we've all come to sort of think of learning as this sort of formal sit in your desk, sit in a, you know, be in a straight line, everything sort of, you know, we're told what to do as children. When what we know is that a lot of learning, including whether it's musical instruments or other skills, can be learned in the setting of play and creative free play even. So I think it's partly how we look at what learning is um, that shifts how we can think about that. Now, when you say creative free play, is that the same as child-led play? Are they the same things? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, people, people talk about play sort of as one big thing. There's in, in early childhood and in working with young children, there's certainly value in creative free play. Kids just get to play. They get to explore. That's, that's really how kids figure out how the world works, not just the things they're playing with, but playing with other children and figuring out dynamics about playing with other kids. And then there's also a kind of play where, you know, as adults, we can provide kids with a little bit of structure, help encourage them, give them some ideas, but still let them take over and, and kind of run with it. So there's there's different kinds of play, but they all foster the kind of skills that you and I are talking about, where it doesn't have to be sit down with some flashcards to learn them. And also, would you define um, playgrounds that are set equipment as a, a different type of play again, because we're kind of putting them into an environment where they can't change anything and just saying, you do this? Sure. And that is where we need to really take a step back and look at what we've been doing with childhood. Um, because it's not that playing on a playground is bad. Okay. And there's still lots that kids can learn and it's physical activity and it's social dynamics. But what we want to avoid is that everything our children do, that our children do, we want to avoid having that become so prescriptive that the only thing you can do on the playground is go up the steps, down the slide, and use everything exactly as the person who created it intended you to use it. What we also like is where if you have a playground, but with sort of nature around and kids can then start to play with things like you know, leaves and, and rocks and, and things that they might find that don't have a prescriptive use. They get to be creative in their use. The same holds true, by the way, with toys. Toys, unfortunately, have become more and more prescriptive. You're supposed to use them one very specific way, and that's the only way. Whereas I also tell parents, look for, for open-ended toys, that you can do different things with them and be creative in how you approach using them. So kind of like the difference between following the Lego instructions to a T and then just creating something out of nothing? 
Well, yes. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, as, as you mentioned, so having really focused in on you know, the toddler brain and nurturing skills for kids, what I always like to tell people is there is value in being able to follow some complex instructions and build a Lego structure and, you know, you lay out the instructions and then you put all the pieces where they're supposed to go. And that is one skill, right? And that's an important skill. But what we also have to remember is that what, and what Lego is famous for is having created blocks, right? You know, just smaller blocks that you can be creative and create anything you want with them. So it represents two very different types of play. One is, can you take something and build it exactly? You know, can you follow the directions and have it look like what the box shows you? And the other is, let's dump out a box of Lego pieces and see what we can make. And that's that more open-ended type of play. Yeah, and that kind of leads to my next question. You mentioned earlier about um, sometimes when we're playing with children, and we want it to be creative play, we can still give them a couple of steps and then let them follow through. Um, With Lego, would the example be you give them a couple of bricks and say, oh, look, we could maybe do this, and then you let them go on? I mean, could you explain to me what that interaction might look like? Oh, sure. And this is where it's, you know, again, as, as we all try to figure out what can we do for kids and what can we foster, but without taking over the whole process, it would be even as simple as saying, so what are you going to make? Well, what if you used more blocks? Or do you think you could make something you saw today or something, you know, like that you saw in a book? And that way you're giving kids some ideas to maybe expand their horizons a bit, right? But you're not telling them what to do. So it's almost more asking questions and encouraging right? Kind of giving some structure or, you know, we just went on a walk. Do you think of something that we saw while we were out walking? That's the sort of thing where I'm saying you sort of do some facilitation, but you still leave it up to the child to kind of use their imagination and then try to figure it out. And sometimes that takes trying something. It doesn't quite work. They do something more. That's that sort of middle ground where you can contribute but not take over. And what is a child learning in that process that they may not get out of something that is all self-contained and they don't really have to experiment or get creative with? Well, uh, sort of two parts to answer that question. So the first thing is, in terms of what they're learning and what they're engaging when they have that opportunity to have that sort of creative play, is what I have called, in, in the toddler brain, I defined seven really important skills that all children will need to sort of succeed and thrive in today's world. And the seventh, sort of the, like the, the seventh, you know, kind of final finale of these skills is what I called what-if skills. And what-if skills are a child being able to imagine something that's not right in front of them. Right? So it's the opposite of like, here's the directions, I can follow it and build exactly what I see. This is what can you imagine? And there's actually a different part of the brain engaged in that sort of creative, imaginative thinking. So the first thing they stand to gain is really kind of honing in on the making use of these what-if skills and developing them. The other part, in terms of your question of what do they gain when it's not all self-contained and prescribed, is I'm going to take it to a much bigger picture here and say, here's the other thing they're gaining. In a world where everything has you know, gotten to be more globally complex and rapidly changing, the idea that the skills we want kids to have need to be that they're, they're good at adapting and looking around them and taking in new information and adjusting accordingly um, has become so much more important that it is less emphasis on just can you follow the directions and step by step because you know what you want to build and you just do it because things are changing too quickly. So this ability to sort of 
adapt and create and think of new things and overcome obstacles and, and kind of keep playing with it that way um, is a skill that is really valued, not just in children, but that will be valued for their lives. This is just a fun way to get it, you know, to build up those skills starting very early on. We'll be back with Dr. Laura Jana right after this. I hope you're enjoying this podcast with thanks to Lego Duplo, the fun way to create and connect. Talk to me about when a child plays on their own. Um, I'm thinking here particularly about imaginative play when a small child might be sitting on the floor with a car making the car noises or they're having a tea party and talking to their teddy bears and their guests. What's happening there and and what in particular is the role of them verbalising, you know, the conversation or the sound of the car, that kind of thing? Well, you know, that it's, a, it's a fantastic question because what I see when I see a child doing that, it has a whole lot more depth than what some people might realize because here's the other thing about play. Even if it's an individual child playing and pretending to talk to stuffed animals or serving tea to, you know, pretend guests, one of the things that children learn very early on is or what they need to learn is how to understand other people's emotions and perspectives, right? I mean, that's part of the skill of learning to play nice with others, right? Both literally and figuratively speaking. (laughs) And so when a child sits, and even if it's making a car noise when they're playing with a car, they're basically trying to put themselves in the position of whoever or whatever they're playing with or thinking about, and what would they do? What would they say? How would they think? So that's where when you start to see those early signs, that's a really important concept for kids to master. In my category of of these seven key skills, I call those we skills, right? The ability to take on another person's perspective. Think about what they are feeling, what they want, what they're, you know, what they would do. Again, you can think of lots of examples now that I've said that. Think about a child who's pretending to be the teacher or pretending to be you if you're their parent, right? (laughs) They're imagining not what they would do, but what would you do? And that is really valuable because as I've always said, the the whole world would be better off if we had a lot more people skilled in empathy and perspective taking. He's and so the here. next time you see a child playing with a car and making car sounds or pretending to be a you or the teacher, you can really take pride in the fact that that's going to serve them very well um, as a lifelong skill. Oh, I love that. Um, look, finally, what age are we talking about here? I mean, I know your book is called The Toddler Brain, but you're a pediatrician and you've worked with children of all ages. When we talk about child-led play and creative play and imaginative play, is there an age limit on that when you start to sort of think, okay, you've set up these skills early on, now perhaps it's time to try something different, learn something different, uh, a piece of uh, maybe an instrument or a sport or something like that. Do you see an age range in that? Well, sure. You know, I'll qualify, first of all, by saying that despite the fact that my book is called The Toddler Brain, it's actually meant to focus on that entire sort of zero to five age range. So the title is a little deceptive. Yeah. But I also look at all of this as a continuum. And again, it's not an either or, because I think it's really valuable, like I said, to be able to follow, you know, build a complex puzzle and play a musical instrument. What usually happens is that, that, you know, as kids get older, 
the creative play gets left out of it as if that was the childish part. And now that you're getting older, you need to be more serious. All I'll do, and you know, to make that answer quicker for you, is say, now I want you to think about what's happening in the adult world of work, where we now see, you know, businesses um, putting out toys and manipulatives on tables to play with, that activities at conferences are based around games and things. And so back to your initial quote from Piaget, this idea that play is the work of childhood, um, instead of, you know, having kids kind of get more tuned to like focusing in on their work, we're actually seeing adults making work more like play because that's that lifelong engaging, fun, creative side that starts in those earliest years. You asked when it starts. It starts really early, and part of the trick is to not train it out of children and make sure that you keep a balance. There's nothing wrong with sort of the rigors of learning a sport or practicing a musical instrument. That's wonderful, but that doesn't mean that you stop having your child get time where it's less defined, more creative, and using their imagination as opposed to just being able to follow directions. I love it. Laura, thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, my pleasure. That's Dr. Laura Jana. She's a paediatrician and author of The Toddler Brain. And if you'd like to learn more about those seven really important skills that Laura mentioned in that interview, just head along to the notes on this podcast and you'll see there some links. Children are getting worried about their body image younger and younger. In the next episode of Feed, Play, Love, paediatric dietitian Jennifer Cohen gives some solid advice on how we can handle it. What we have to be careful of as parents is not putting too much value in food and things like good and bad unfortunately puts power into food. You know, there's no such thing as good or bad food. A bad food is a food that you can't eat. So a food that's spoiled, you know, it's got mold on it. That's a bad food. (laughs) (laughs) That's on the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.